At the risk of sounding, I don't mean this to come off as classist, if there even is such a thing, but last <laughs> night I was thinking about, um, you know how you would get dressed up to go to like Sunday school on Sundays and... You know, I mean, there's that saying like Sunday best. There's even an amazing country band named after, <laughs> after it. The five star band. Five star band. <laughs> better really than anything else out there. Better than any. Grammy. Right. Better winning. than any music that's come out of Eastern Kentucky, that's for sure. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, they were supposed to stay with us one time, and I was just looking forward to the day when I got mad pussy because I knew Sunday best. <laughs> and then they just, and then they just, they, <laughs> and they just didn't end up staying with us. I told everybody that I was like, "Yeah, man, Chris and Dick gonna be staying in our place tonight. It's not a, not a big deal." You know, it's just we're just boys like that. For a brief moment, Tom and I were running the. Like Whitesburg music scene. Brothel. Brothel, yeah. You all really were. But I saw some truly horrific things in that apartment. I mean, like, I'm like sure. Richie Cotson taking a shower for him or a guitar player for poison? <laughs> <laughs> no, more like two girls uh, fighting so bad there was makeup and blood and weave laying in the floor. blood weave and fake eyelashes on the wall you you call that insane i call it hot we have two different we i didn't say di- insane i said terrifying <laughs> you call it terrifying <laughs> i was terrified i was sitting in my bed with my pocket knife in my hand ready to cut someone whoever came up in stamps was getting fucking cut that's all there was to it <laughs> <laughs> well no. so anyways where i was going with that was um you know how they just had the met gala yeah. like no I, what oh no you you haven't heard of this i missed that part <laughs> i missed it you haven't got a lot of hate mail from people saying that you sound like jimmy door talking shit about aoc no because i haven't talked shit about aoc <laughs> yeah good point <laughs> um I think like a good theme for the Met Gala would be like Sunday school. You know what I'm saying? Like so like when I was a kid, we couldn't afford like, you know, the best like fanciest clothes. And so you had to like make approximations of what looked nice. And so you know, like the in my opinion like there's no better look than like white button-down shirt untucked over the baggiest jeans imaginable like the baggiest jeans and you like you thought that was in like doc martin knockoffs you know what i'm saying like that was a a solid ass look that like you thought was nice (laughs) but like (laughs) yeah you thought an untucked shirt looked just baller baller (laughs) absolutely there is a lot to this. What was this. your biggest sartorial mishap? Like one that you just look back on how you were dressed in a photo and you're like, what the fuck was I thinking? Oh, this one's not even a... I don't even have to think. Puka shell necklace, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one to... That's a tough one to age with. Woo! Love that. Um, I mean, it's kind of... 
I wonder why my mom let me out of the house, honestly. But I, in middle school, like my favorite fit was a, this this ratty red sports bra under overalls with a <laughs> fucking, uh, I mean, now it's probably very hip. I would not wear it now. Well, actually, I have wore that. My overall shorts, riding bikes, but not to fucking school. I wore this on picture day. I have a picture of me wearing a ratty red sports bra, no shirt, under overalls with a plaid button-up shirt just over it, unbutt. I looked crazy. <laughs> I'm like, why did you let me go to school looking like this? <laughs> but I do have some iconic school pictures of me, like, with a sideways ponytail, wearing, like, fringe... Like a fringe fucking shirt, just looking like an absolute line dancer. That <laughs> I will never apologize for. <laughs> and that informs my style to this day. <laughs> Till this day. Yeah. Oh god. There are Tom only ever wore Kentucky Wildcat t shirts, so he can't even comment. He has my worst. No, I know for. my worst. I showed up to college uh wearing a uh uh, a dicky suit, like long sleeve navy blue, like Dickie's work suit, <laughs> shaved head, Air Force Ones, and a T-shirt said "Free Tony Yayo" on it. Oh my god! It was 2003, and G Unit was all the rage. <laughs> oh fuck! Right, we had just uh. started the war in Iraq, and Tom was not doing any fighting. That's for sure. <laughs> No, no, I looked like I just just got out of Chino, but not from, but but unfortunately, uh, you know, my shaved head betrayed uh, what I was about. Well, Tom had a whole era, which may be, pin, which may be continued to this day, where he would get dressed up really nice in one of his nice suits, but he would have like one little detail that was off. And I would often like try to fix it. I'd be like, "Oh, your tie's crooked. Oh, this button." I'd smack your hand away. And you'd (laughs) smack my hand away and say some French word (laughs) for what this was. It's like the fucking the Christians who put or who make a little who always insist on a mistake in their quilt because only God's perfect. Right. <laughs> this is yeah. Tom's yeah. fashion. I, you know, Tony, I didn't think about it. That's a good way to that's a good way to put that. Only God's perfect. We well, all have to come, fall short of the glory. I had so I went to a wedding in New Mexico um 2 weeks ago with like a childhood friend like someone I've known since I was at least like probably 10 or eight or nine, whatever age you're in in fifth grade. And um, she had reminded me that, like, when she first met me, like, the first, like, back in elementary and middle school, I used to carry, like, um, like a pocket-sized Bible around, like, in the the pocket of those carpenter jeans. You remember carpenter jeans? (laughs) Yeah, it had a little hook for your hammer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You wore them because that's what Jesus wore. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, your boss was a Jewish carpenter, and you wanted to dress <laughs> like he would in t- 2003. You yeah. were dressing like a co-pilot. Yeah. Um, but anyways, um, Met Gala, there you go. There's a free idea for you. Sunday's 
Sunday's finest. There you go. That's a that's a good theme. I honestly think there is something to like country ass people being literally afraid to look good. Like I I have come to like want to overdress. I like to overdress. Post office, grocery store, restaurant, whatever. I wanna I wanna be overdressed. But like a day, anyone that goes with me literally is terrified to dress up to go out. I'm like, oh, you could wear this. This looks great. It's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you think it's like some internalized. I, we are terrified to be overdressed in public. I love it. I used to sympathize with that because I was like, you know, it looks like I got somewhere better to go later. But I'm to the point where I don't think anybody's persuaded I have somewhere better to go later. No, no <laughs> one cares. No one has. No one's looked at me at the post office and been like, who's this bitch think she is? Because no one cares. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about it lately because, like, I bought a watch. And it's not like the, <laughs> it's not like the most expensive watch in the like world. It's not you're walking around here. <laughs> No, it's not that gaudy. It's nice, I, but understated. Right. It's say. it's not like a Rolex or anything, but it's like more than I would have spent on a watch, let's say, five years ago, obviously. And so I'm like, damn, do I want to take it up the next step? Do I want to start wearing rings? Do I want to start wearing, you know, a button-down shirt with the baggiest jeans imaginable? <laughs> I don't know. Um, incredible. The thought of Terrence putting on... A watch and feeling too dressed up to go to a restaurant is my favorite. This is my favorite. Of you just being like, oh, I don't know. It's so blingy. <laughs> it tells the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I bought a friend a bolo tie. And we were going out to eat, like, right after I gave it to them. And they were like, I don't know. This is too dressed up. <laughs> it's a, bolo? a fucking bolo tie. <laughs> I always kind of wish Terrence would lean more into the Southwestern thing and start wearing bolo ties and fringed leather coats and stuff like that. Yeah, Yeah, just some cowboy boots. You occasionally rock a cowboy boot, don't you, Terrence? Yeah, for sure. Every time I put cowboy boots on, I feel like it's Halloween. You know what I mean? I just, I like them, but I just can't wear them for some reason. Oh my God, I feel like it's Halloween. I love it. I, I love my boots. Oh yeah, and I love I love men in cowboy boots, especially like really masculine men because it's a heel. Like if it's got a good heel on it, it's like put puts a man in a in a high heel. <laughs> my mom, I don't know. My mom's boyfriend is like so butch. He's just like such a such a dude. He's fucking literal cattle farmer, and he always wears boots and they're high heels. And I'm just I love it. I'm obsessed with it. I'm like I just love that he rocks a high heel, mom. And she's yeah. like, what? <laughs> Boots are high heels for sure. <laughs> She's like mortified. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, just totally hot queer footwear. You love to see it. And she's like, oh, what time yet? <laughs> Jesus, you've you have given this man a lot to think about. <laughs> You're gonna give by him a complex. Yeah, You're by gonna give him a complex. Him. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's like super Christian too. I mean, he's a sweetheart. I mean, he's the only, he's the only man I've really liked that my mom's ever been with. That includes my dad. <laughs> it's it's a shocker. That includes and especially means my yeah, father. Especially, all I got from that bastard was a big nose and bad <laughs> eyes. And I have no thank you. No, my mom has terrible taste in men, worse than me, if you can imagine. Oh boy. 
But this guy's good. I don't know. I, he's almost too good to be true. He's probably a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll find out. Let's hope not for Sheila's sake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you guys see that thread going around about the, um, like, the Tesla that, like, bricked on the side of the highway in the middle of the night? Like, did, did y'all see this? No, you're cutting out. I didn't hear what you said the Tesla did. It, it like, fu- it, like, bricked. It, like, fucked up on the... S- it just, like, shut down on the side in, of the... Hi- in the middle of traffic? In the middle of traffic in the middle of the night. Oh, boy. Sketchy. That's like a horror movie. Let, let me let me read some of this thread. If I break up, I apologize. Um, on the way to dinner tonight, my Tesla literally locked up in the middle of the highway. A message I've never seen before popped up saying vehicle may not restart, service required. No sooner do I have that thought than the car starts beeping madly saying pull over immediately, insufficient power, and then everything just locks up. No ability to shift to neutral, no releasing parking brake emergency override. Car is bricked in the middle of a six lane highway. There was no, <laughs> there was no time to even get to the shoulder. I'm dead in the water in the middle lane of southbound traffic. Thankfully, the hazards still work and the door still opens. Don't know for how long, though. I roll all the windows down just in case I need back and it's time to bail. I run over to the shoulder and contemplate my next move. Is this 911 worthy, I think? It's dark, and if my hazards die, my car, my car will get plowed for sure. And, like, yeah, like someone, like a family of five will die, too, you know? It's, it's like... Um. Oh my God, dude! It's just like, That's... well, what I I want to ask this. This does sound like a Black Mirror episode, but is this? How is this different than a Junker breaking down? Other than the hundred thousand dollar price tag difference? Uh, it's the hundred thousand dollar price tag difference. <laughs> That's the only difference. Okay, it's so the hundred thousand dollar just... price tag difference for me. So he isn't technically more unsafe. Than when my '94 pickup broke down in the middle of the road. Yeah, it's not I technically mean, more unsafe. Like the thing's not going to spontaneously combust. But the thing is, well, I mean, okay. Oh no, they do that too. They do that too. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they do that. They do catch fire, don't they? I mean, I guess. Like the thing um, ha- has a computer, and I guess it could decide, like, all right, I'm going to turn everything off, even the hazard lights, which your '94 pickup won't do that because it's not run by a computer, you know. <laughs> so like, mm-hmm. uh, this is like the uh, this is like the yuppie version of Stephen King's Maximum Overdrive, where that <laughs> uh, big rig truck has a mind of its own. Yeah, or um, there was another movie from the '80s that was like an evil car. What was it called? Evil cars. <laughs> Kirby. Well, anyways, or what was it? What'd you say, Tanya? Was it Kirby? No, that's a good car. Yeah. A little Beetle. Kirby. Wait. I can't. I think I know what you're talking about. Christine. That's the one I was thinking of. Christine. Yeah. Um. Was were, was did it also, lock up? As in, well, he was locked in the inside. The doors locked too. No, he was able to get out. But I think there have been stories of that, like people getting locked in and the thing just fucking. Here's what I don't don't understand. You drop six figures on a a trash computer that you're driving around. I don't care what happened to that thing. There's no way I would post my own fucking L about it on the internet. (laughs) 
And they just continue, these people just continue to own themselves. It's like they bought it just to fucking put on the internet what a fucking rube they are. Well, it, yeah. And what's even funnier is like the thread basically ends with the guy being like, well, I mean, I still, you know, basically he was like, well, you know, it's not perfect, but. (laughs) (laughs) The car don't run, but she sure is shiny. Yeah, that's for damn sure. It's not perfect. <laughs> Bitch is crazy about a Mercury. Oh my God, Tesla guys, man, I don't get them. They it, it ain't but, right. Well, that's the thing. So you asked, like, what's the difference between that and the '94? So yeah, it's the hundred thousand dollar price tag, but <laughs> it is also like the ideology behind it, right? It's like this whole movement of like Elon Musk stands and this like you know push towards AI automated automated driving and stuff you know what i'm saying it's just i don't know there's a there's a whole sort of like cultural slash intellectual movement behind it that's just completely bizarre. yeah it's like i don't know damn i spent a hundred grand on a test robot uh the makings of an absolute cyborg wannabe and it don't run right huh shocker <laughs> I only rode in one once, and the annoying thing about riding with like a, I think Terrence was with me actually. Remember yeah, in Nashville, you. I think. Yeah. And it's like the whole trip, the guy just wants to talk about how great his car is, and it's like it it reeks of, you know, uh, when somebody's trying to like justify something they did to you, or ju- something they did to you, not to you, but you know what I'm saying, like a purchase they made <clears throat> or whatever. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I rode him one, and he, in Charleston, South Carolina, okay, so it was my rich uncle, who happens to be married to my rich aunt, go figure, uh, it's his co-worker, so we had all went out to dinner, and we, I was drunk as shit on expensive wine, and we were just driving from the restaurant to this other place we were going, and I, when we walked to our cars, I was like, holy shit, is that a Tesla, this was like six years ago, and he said, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, can I ride with you over there? And my mom was like, Tanya. She was so embarrassed that I had, did, <laughs> that, I had that I was drunk enough to, like, beg this man to let me ride in the back of his expensive car. <laughs> like, I ain't above that even sober, Sheila. <laughs> but, of course, he was so happy to have this country bumpkin in his Tesla. And so my cousin rode in it with me. And his wife was in the, so we were in the back seat. I Snapchatted the whole thing, but uh, that's long gone. But anyway, him, he went straight to 80 miles an hour in a 25 mile per hour street. (laughs) Because he's a fucking psycho. These are the kind of people that buy Teslas. But like, and he acted so weird. um, And like three months later, he got fired for sexual harassment. And I was like, oh my God, I knew this guy was a fucking creep. Wow. I narrowly escaped this man's Tesla, but he literally, I, and I like, once he got over 60, I was like, please stop, please slow down, please don't do this, because I started getting terrified. Mm. I'm pretty sure I told y'all about this when it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, I do remember that, yeah. I think, yeah, I think you remember you saying something about it. I, I think Tesla guys are like the guys that like, uh. They have to have like Pappy Van Winkle bourbon. They have to, you know what I mean? Like in the trunk, like, right? Yeah, it's just like they. Ha- right. It's not because they like it or they can tell a difference. It's just like status markers for like the lamest people alive. You know? Yeah.
<laughs> so ISIS. <laughs> now, when you dipped out, I was telling Tom that uh, my girl Ruby is approaching one year old and getting a little too smart. She um, she woke up yesterday limping, and I'm, I do believe she was legit hurt. She was limping pretty bad, and I was panicked. And I had her like laid up on the couch with her paw up and all this shit. I couldn't find anything wrong with her paw. There was no blood, no swelling. Like I couldn't find anything on it. She wouldn't really let me touch it. But then I finally let got her to let me soak it in some Epsom salt water. And I think that's what did it. Whatever. I think something was stuck uh-huh. in it or something. You know how they fucking do. Uh-huh. But she saw so she started feeling better. When she hadn't, I, she felt bad because she wasn't into nothing. She wasn't acting wild as shit like she does every day. She was just laying on the couch. She couldn't, she wouldn't walk around and do nothing. She was barely moving. But then she finally got the energy to go outside and walk around. And I looked outside and she was limping. Classic, classic put on. And when she got so, back to the door, what? <laughs> she, she was had, she trying? I, I just thought she had started feeling better after the Epsom salt soak. I thought that literally. Right fixed it that was what it did i was almost took her i almost took her to the vet but i just couldn't find anything actually wrong i was like am i just gonna take her in for a sore paw it's like a little bunch she was trying but. to get drugs she wanted you to take her to the vet so they would prescribe <laughs> yeah. her pills. i was gonna go in there and see if they give me intervention or whatever Ruby, what's, your, yeah. what's your what's your pain level <laughs> ten and a half <laughs> But when she come back to the door, as soon as I got to the door to let her in, after she had, was running around fine outside, she lifted that paw up <laughs> to come oh back God. in. She knew yeah. she'd get the royal treatment, honey. But you know what? She she's this morning. She just immediately come up raising pure hell. And let me tell you all what she's done. This bitch has went up in the woods and found an old trash bag somewhere, and she has been dragging trash into onto the porch. That finally I picked up and looked at a piece to th- when I threw it away. Kendall looked. <laughs> it it expired in 2012. It, a fucking chocolate pudding cup that expired 10 years ago. <laughs> what the fuck? Is, was it intact? Yes. A 10-year-old chocolate pudding cup. She's a drug out of the woods. <laughs> well, in fairness, that shit's probably shelf-stable. That'd probably be good for 20 more years. Yeah, true. Well, yeah, like, I mean, if you buy a pudding cup right now, like, it probably has, like, an expiration date of 2023 on it. So it's probably even more than 20 years old. That Or 10 years old. That was probably purchased more than 10 years ago. I don't know yeah. where this trash is. It's up in the woods somewhere. She's found some fucking bear, bear nest or something and is digging fucking trash out. 10-year-old trash out. <laughs> oh, boy. Just doing her part to clean up the earth. You know, you said the ivermectin thing. You know, I guess a couple of weeks ago, like the big thing was, you know, whenever, when, you know, all the discourse about ivermectin or whatever. And it reminded me of the time that Terrence and I were catching bats. And I thought that I had, I needed a rabies shot. And uh, when I called the Ohio, like, health department, they actually suggested that I call a veterinarian because there was a rabies shot shortage of like the human kind. So, just want to say, wow, <laughs> score score at least one point for the you know. <laughs> well, ain't ketamine a animal drug? It is. 
I mean, pain pills, they, they prescribe the same shit to animals that they do for humans. And that's the same thing yeah. with Ivermectin. Ivermectin is actually used all around the world by humans. I mean, it's like, I, I don't, I don't, like the to- the doses that the some of these people are taking it in, I don't think I would advise that. <laughs> but I wouldn't recommend taking anything you get at Fraser's Farmer Supply. Yeah. This from a man who's been <laughs> deep in a K-hole. Uh, yeah, I've taken my fair share of ketamine for sure. I give the dogs half a Zyrtec for their allergies. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I give my cat children's Benadryl when she's being squirrely. <laughs> we drug these children. <laughs> well, yeah, like Tom, for me and Tom to pull off the ultimate... Someone needs to make an action heist movie about this. Me and Tom trying to get his epileptic cat oh my arrow god. from Whitesburg to Lexington but we had to that's had the to, biggest god it, damn y'all stressed game, me out just telling me about that I swear <laughs> to Christ or but, the day you found PB you the adventures of Tom and Terrence and Pussy are too much too much there's no <laughs> audience ready for that well the medicine that they gave us to get arrow like medically um, stable enough to transport her was was like the same anti-epileptic medicine they give humans. I mean, it's we are mammals after all. I think it's the dosage amount that's different. So like, yeah, a horse dosage, is yeah. a lot has a lot more body mass than a human. So like, obviously, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't recommend taking ivermectin even if you don't have, uh, even in a small amount. But if you do have worms, obviously it's not a bad idea. It's a good way to get rid of worms. <laughs> but like COVID's not a worm. I don't know where that came from. I don't know. It was weird. I'm glad that that is over. It seems like that was a weird deal though for like three weeks there with people like horse paste. <laughs> that was a very polarizing discourse. <laughs> Interestingly enough, the thing that divided us more than anything were, were uh, you know. Animal drugs. Who to thunk it? <laughs> Who? I'd like to know. Tell me this. How many miles have you two driven where, with Tom behind the wheel and Terrence ha- holding a cat wrapped in a blanket? <laughs> uh, we went and saw the one, the creepy uh, veterinarian. What's his name? Oh, I don't remember that the guy's guy name. The guy lived on that Christian compound. It was pretty creepy, though, for sure. <clears throat> Yeah. Well, they witnessed to us and asked us if we'd made a decision for Christ. Because they sensed you were together. Together. Yeah. Well, And then and he, like, pasted Arrow's belly up, and he goes, this could go one of two ways. And he looked at me and said, she could heal up and be fine, or she could spill her guts all over the place. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. He had no idea who he was It's a very weird bedside manner you have, sir. <laughs> Remember when y'all caused a traffic jam? And Tom Terrence got out of the car holding little PB in a blanket, flipping people off. I don't know <laughs> that. I don't even remember this. <laughs> That's how you don't remember when you found PB? I do, but I don't remember there being a traffic jam. Like, Tom had just stopped in the middle of the road and, people, and some some dude in a big truck was blowing his horn and you <laughs> oh, got yeah. out with PB in a little blanket in your arms and flipped him off. <laughs> 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 Don't fuck with me. 
Don't <laughs> fuck with me when I've got a, a cat in my arms. There's a there's oh, a kitten here, yeah. buddy. God damn it. S- um, speaking of bats, COVID. No oh, god. <laughs> etc. <laughs> there's um a story in Newsweek that came out just yesterday. Um. This the headline is very misleading. It says Wuhan lab wanted to genetically enhance bat viruses to study human risks. Documents show. Oh my god. Um, so I mean, you know, it seems to be implying, you know, the Wuhan lab theory that COVID originated there. But if you read deeper into the C- article, certainly doing nothing to dispel it. <laughs> sir, right, exactly. If you read deeper into the article, though, there's something else going on that is not in the headline and i'm indebted for uh indebted to the account at gumby for christ for this thank you (laughs) at gumby for christ great account Uh, great account yes um for pointing this out um so let me just read the beginning of this a little bit less than two years before the covid19 pandemic began scientists at the wuhan institute of virology plan to genetically alter viruses to make them more infectious for humans and release them into bat caves. That's weird. Why are, why are they doing that? What? That's so weird. Why would a, a lab be doing that? Wow. Um, oh, well, okay. It says right here. Um, the Wuhan scientists were listed as partners on a funding proposal. Um, the environmental health nonprofit EcoHealth Alliance, which is a U.S., Nonprofit made to the U.S. government's Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, also known as DARPA. DARPA, mm, weird, weird. That's so weird. <laughs> um, the proposal promises to fuel the controversy around the Wuhan lab's role in the pandemic. Uh, yeah, but not DARPA's role. That's weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, honestly, rewind a little bit. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, so as Gumby for Christ points out, uh, there were six organizations involved in the proposal, including a U.S. government agency. The lead organization's main backers are the Pentagon and U.S. aid. The proposal was submitted to DARPA, which was directly soliciting such proposals. Um, Did you say say USAID? Yes, USAID, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, CIA CIA front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and again, as they point out, DARPA turned down EcoHealth's psycho proposal, but they doled out millions under this grant program for what sounds like exactly the same type of work all around the world. Um, and it, you know, lists some of the places that this money went to, like Autonomous Therapeutics in California, uh, Center for Comparative Medicine and the One Health Institute in University of California, um, Institute Pasteur, Montana State University. I mean, like, it's just, I mean, Grant, I don't know what happened. Obviously, none of us know what happened. But, like, if this was the case, if it was, if a lab in Wuhan was working on this, this Newsweek story itself just openly admits that it was working on it for DARPA with a U.S. government agency. But it doesn't put that in the headline. Right, right, right. It, make, it makes it sound like it's some sort of like uh, uh, conspiracy from Beijing or something. Exactly. <laughs> You'd be hard Pretty pressed weird. 
to convince me at this point. Do what? You'd be hard-pressed to convince me at this point that anything bad that happens on this planet that doesn't involve the U.S. in some way. <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you. In, to the degree that there's any validity to the Savannah Syndrome stuff, it's a pittance compared to what they deserve. It's like you get, uh, uh, like you destabilize half the world. You lead multiple genocides, uh, uh, extrajudicial killings, uh, global pandemics, whatever the fuck else they got their hand in, and and in return, all you get is a case of tinnitus. Mm-hmm. I'd say that's pretty good trade off. Well, listen, totally. I, I know y'all have tried to explain this to me before, but given the recent Congress vote, <laughs> I I I could use another intro to what the fuck this is or at least what they think it is because i still do not understand it's so someone pointed this out the other day um what it is is um there's a new yorker thing about it um but what it is is like all these people who work for the government are saying that like while working at the embassy in Cuba, or China, or Russia, like all the big scary U.S. bad guys, like they started having like migraines, um, inner ear uh, swelling, you know, dizziness, um, th- stuff like that. Um, someone pointed out that basically what they're describing is, and I don't know how to pronounce this, it's called Meniere's disease. Meniere's disease, yeah. Right. It's a disorder of the mini of the inner ear that is characterized by episodes of vertigo, tinnitus, hearing loss, and a fullness in the ear. Um, it's been a, like people have known about this since the 19th century. It's it's not new, but um, but yeah, I mean, like there could be. I think there's several different explanations for it. it one of it could be uh, it could be mass hysteria. Um, <laughs> it could That's be my vote. Yeah, I mean, it could be real. Like it could maybe these powers do maybe these government governments do have the power to you know induce this kind these symptoms with some kind of yeah the havana gun but well, okay I, so they think that these governments are doing or they're trying to say that these governments are doing something specifically to give them a, a disease yeah that's correct mm-hmm <laughs> and it just so happens to be the three or four countries that they want to demonize the most. Pretty much. With, yeah. with actual I mean, it's not like power. Right. Like, it's not like they're picking it up in the Sudan, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's interesting that it's just um, the notoriously uh, sterling word of CIA spooks, and it just so happens to be the handful of countries frequently mentioned in things like the axis of evil the uh, perestroika of terror uh among other titles you know so what did they actually vote on like basically workman's comp that's basically what it is it's like a workman's comp workman's comp for spooks (laughs) hey i could i actually I, i could sign up for that why are you a spook? Are you a spy? What the fuck? You have, have you want, infiltrated? You have something you want to tell oh, us? Oh, Two hundred something wait, episodes in here. Spook means spy. It does. Oh, my bad. Um. Well, okay. Um. So speaking of 
U.S. Havana. government. <laughs> speaking of Havana, speaking of U.S. government workers, did you guys see this thing about the special envoy to Haiti, Ambassador Daniel Foote, resigning? Mm-mm. No. Um, he wrote a letter about it. I thought the letter was fascinating. He wrote it to Antony Blinken, Secretary of State. It says, Dear Secretary Blinken, With deep disappointment and apologies to those seeking crucial changes, I resign from my position as Special Envoy for Haiti, effective immediately. I will not be associated with the United States' inhumane, counterproductive decision to deport thousands of Haitian refugees and illegal immigrants to Haiti, a country where American officials are confined to secure compounds because of the danger posed by armed gangs in control of daily life. Our policy approach to Haiti remains deeply flawed, and my recommendation have been, have been ignored and dismissed when not edited to project a narrative different from my own. Um, blah, blah, blah. Basically, he talks about, uh, you know, the U.S., I mean, I could keep reading here. He says, The people of Haiti mired in poverty, hostage to the terror, kidnappings, robberies, and massacres of armed gangs, and suffering under a corrupt government with gang alliances simply cannot support the forced infusion of thousands of returned migrants lacking food, shelter, and money. Um, I'm trying to find it in this, but basically basically what he's saying is like the U.S. government just handpicks and props up these Haitian governments and then creates the very conditions that like drive them to uh, seek refuge in America, and then, you know, we chase them down on horses at the border. Um, and I just thought that was a fascinating thing. Like, that's going on under... Um, it's good that that's going on under Biden. You know, you don't see anything about that, really. There was uh, another something interesting about that this week, about the immigrant issue. Because, you know, that was the thing that, you know, you heard so much during the campaign kids in cages etc yeah um and more recently uh kamala saying do not come do not come <laughs> here well, right <laughs> you, you saw the thing going around where, where yeah, i think it was said in four years trump deported four hundred forty thousand people and biden is what in year one hasn't even made it through year one yeah I was and try- it's already up to almost 700,000. Yes, I was trying to find that, but that's exactly correct. Um, Trump invoked Title 42, citing COVID-19, but health experts say it has no medical basis. Um, he used Title 42 to expel asylum seekers without their right to hearings. Um, Trump deported 444,000 people, and Biden, it is, yeah, close to 700,000 people. Um, and that, yeah, that's not even in... Granted, the Title 42 thing was, began at COVID, so it was going on for close to a year, but the Biden thing hasn't even been going on that long, and he's almost managed to double it. <sighs> Build back better. Oh, baby. <laughs> Fucking crazy. Oh, man. It, it is truly sadistic, the Haiti situation. Did you know that like Haiti still pays France money to recognize their independence every year? That's really? really sick. Yeah, they yeah, they I think the agreement they came up with was when when did Haiti declare independence? That's where we need somebody right at the ready for a number crunch. Well, it was so there were I guess it's the early eighteen hundreds, I guess, is when the modern Haitian state was created. Because like eighteen twenty five. Right, right. Um yeah. Because they sent yeah. Napoleon to take it back. And he got his shit kicked in. 
Yeah, basically, yeah. That the agreement was that that the newly formed Haitian government would pay the French government and French slaveholders the modern equivalent of twenty-one billion dollars for claiming slave owners' property Jesus. and the land that they had turned into profitable sugar and coffee-producing plantations. This independence debt was financed by French banks and the American Citibank, and finally paid off in nineteen forty-seven. But later, the corrupt Duvalier family—that's Papa Doc added to the country's debts and is believed to have used their money to expand their power and for their personal benefits. In the early 21st century, and especially after the devastating earthquake in 2010, the World Bank and some other governments forgave the remaining parts of Haiti's debt. France forgave a more recent loan with a balance of U.S. $77 million, but has refused to consider repaying the independence debt. Huh. That's what I was about to say. Can you imagine this like hurricane-ripped country... Scraping together money to send to fucking France. Yeah. It's fucking sadistic. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, basically, uh, France refuses to pay Haiti back $21 billion that Haiti gave to, to slave owners. up, in, I think it was up until fairly recently. So I guess, it, I don't know if they still pay the money, but yeah. Papa so Doc, Haiti was paying- known friend of the U.S., Nah, it's true. They loved him. Wow. Pretty crazy. Um. Yeah. Anyway. So that's that's yeah French. It's not all. It's not all great with them. <laughs> Back to freedom fries, am I right? It's not. It's not, it's not all storming the Bastille. <laughs> oh man. Oh hell. Um. So well, anyways, I mean, I thought that was just interesting. It's not very often you see, like, a U.S. official resign in like a fit of, um, you know, conscience. Like, I mean, obviously there was all those like rogue accounts after Trump got elected and stuff. But I just think it's fascinating. You you rarely see that. Well, like when a liberal is in in power, um, other than like maybe Edward Snowden or something. But like that's a whole different thing and. The whole different can of worms. Who the fuck even knows anything about him? But, but I don't know. It's just I just I just thought that was interesting. Not often you see that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Usually, uh, yeah. If you're getting into government at this level, especially under Biden, you would think that. Yeah, it's kind of a rare a rare showing of some moral courage from <laughs> one of these guys. Right. Um. Well, okay, uh, last thing I wanted to hit today. There's a story I thought was interesting. Not a story. It's like an op-ed. It's, I don't is know, it's it, a column. Is it that little Nas X cover, Jolene? Is it what? <laughs> What'd a you little Nas X cover, Jolene. Is that what you oh found interesting? Oh, God. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah, just a oh, troll, Tom. Man. I saw that people, yeah, people are giving me hell. Like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Tanya with the interesting. It's like, yeah. Tom said very he inter- was not interesting. Very, very interesting that he covered the most covered song of all time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, you know, there was that, like, I feel like there was a, I don't know if you call it, like, conspiracy theory, but there was this thing maybe like 10 years ago like a book came out it might have been like john ronson or somebody who who had that whole thing that was like 
talking about how you know tech companies monitor the things you listen to like the algorithms and everything on your phone and so that when you go into a grocery store they'll play what you like and so that that Mm -hmm. way you'll be more amenable to buying things you know what i mean like you'll feel happier in the grocery store and then you'll want to buy things don't tell me this i can't handle it yeah you walk into rite aid and hear a deep cut from one of your spotify playlists that's no accident yeah right my my friend has been staying with me and it's literally getting ads for shit that i buy on their instagram because they're on my wi-fi oh shit (laughs) and and shit that my ex would buy not even me. Like they're wow. getting ads for shit my ex bought over a year ago. Yeah, you want to talk about hauntings like that? Like yeah. we do have ghosts all around us. They are the algorithms, basically. Truly. <laughs> oh, God, fuck. yeah, yeah. It's no longer. Uh, so you think that Lil Nas X covered Jolene just for me? Is that what you're saying? Or for Tom. Or Tom, yeah. <laughs> Nah, I think, well, I mean, one thing is is that he's not a bad singer, but he's certainly not a good singer. And Jolene's like, come on, other than like Hallelujah by Jeff Beck, it's like the most covered song in, ever. Is it? It's. I can't even think of many other covers of Jolene. Maybe uh, two it's, others. It's uh, Miley Cyrus, but, you know, that's Dolly's goddaughter, obviously. Yeah, that's his connection to, to Dolly or the Cyruses. Yeah, no, there's plenty of covers of Jolene. Okay, I want to talk about this. No, and it's not going to be Lil Nas X. I want to talk about this op- opinion <laughs> thing I saw in The Guardian, because it's got the funniest fucking, like, formulation of politics I've seen. So it's ri- it's written by this guy named um, George Monbiot. I don't know how to say his last name or M- Monbiot. I mean, he he's probably familiar to listeners of a certain generation. Like he he's like one of these. He's kind of like Naomi Klein. He was big in the sort of Gen X lefty world, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. More like you know niche causes like environmentalism animals rights stuff like that like um he describes himself as like not a marxist or an anarch like he criticizes marxism and anarchism um arguing that any possible solution to the world's inequalities must be rooted in a democratic parliamentary system whatever the fuck that means i don't know um but he's like i don't know he he's british and he's just like one of those gen x like sort of environmental activists who's kind of got like vague lefty politics okay yeah um so he wrote this article in the guardian uh, my friend jack sent this to me shout out it says it's shocking to see so many left wingers lured to the far right by conspiracy theories <laughs> um so um here, here we go It's an uncomfortable thing to admit, but in the countercultural movements where my sympathies lie, people are dropping like flies. Every few days I hear of another acquaintance who has become seriously ill with COVID after proudly proclaiming the benefits of natural immunity, denouncing vaccines and refusing to take the precautions that apply to lesser mortals. Some have been hospitalized. Within these circles, which have for so long sought to cultivate a good society, there are people actively threatening the lives of others. It's not just anti-vax beliefs that have been spreading through these movements. On an almost daily basis, I see conspiracy theories traveling smoothly from left to right to left. I hate it when conspiracy theories travel smoothly 
from right to left. Um, <laughs> hate that. Yeah, cl- I hate that. Classic mobility of conspiracies thing that I hate all the time. Um, I hear right on people mouthing the claims of white supremacists, apparently in total ignorance of their origins. Okay. Uh, I encounter hippies who once sought to build a community sharing the memes of extreme individualism. But like, I've got some bad news for you about the hippies, man. (laughs) (laughs) If that's, if that's, if that's who you consider paragons of like, (laughs) they got it right. You're in bad shape, my man. Right. Um, something has gone badly wrong in parts of the alternative scene. Um, <laughs> the alternative. What, the, can I ask a question? What the fuck does alternative mean? Well, it's fascinating. Like, it does offer a very fascinating look into the sort of psychology or the mindset, the worldview of a of a lefty of a, like a specific age. You know, uh-huh. like yeah. that it was considered subculture or like counterculture in the nineties. Even though it wasn't. By the 90s, it was mainstream, you know? Like, yeah. I, Does alternative I mean goth? <laughs> yes. He's, goth yes, lefty. the goth scene, you, you, yes. You remember, like, it, when we were growing up in, like, the late 90s, it's, like, alternative rock. It was, and like, it's Alanis like, Morissette. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean by, like, Nirvana? Like, what are you talking about? Right, Who exactly. sold more records than Nirvana? You know what I mean? How's that alternative? It was mainstream. It nothing. It was certainly mainstream by the 90s. That There's no doubt about that. I mean, you yeah. even look at, like, the people and ideas behind Silicon Alley. Like, we did that episode about Bleeding Edge, like, the Silicon Alley 1990s scene. Like, these were all, like, John Perry Barlow, like, all of the early entrepreneurs behind the internet and startup industry they were all quote-unquote hippies but it was all mainstream by this point billions of dollars of capital behind it anyways burning man you know like whatever yeah yeah, Um, yeah. there has long been an overlap between certain new age and far-right ideas I, i mean i won't disagree there the Nazis, yeah, yeah. the Nazis embraced astrology, pagan festivals, organic farming, forest conservation, <clears throat> <laughs> ecological education, and Again, nature worship. Goth. They promoted homeopathy and nature, natural healing and tended to resist vaccination. Dude, okay. There, there was a hilarious, like, Jacobin article, like, two weeks ago that was, like, you know who also opposed vaccinations? The Third Reich. <laughs> oh, yeah. woo. Oh, um, we should be aware of this history, but without indulging what Simon Shama calls the obscene syllogism, the idea that because the Nazis promoted New Age beliefs, alternative medicine, and ecological protection, anyone who does so is a Nazi. In the 1960s and 70s, European fascists sought to reinvent themselves using themes developed by revolutionary anarchists. They found fertile ground in parts of the anarcho-primitivist and deep ecology movements, which they tried to steer towards notions of ethnic separatism and indigenous autonomy. And we've talked about this before, you know, like the overlap of like eugenics and environmentalism and stuff you know like environmentalism yeah this is well-trod territory for long-time listeners yeah Yeah. right but much of what we are seeing at the moment is new this sentence is hilarious a few years ago dreadlocked hippies spreading QAnon lies and muttering about a conspiracy against donald trump would have seemed unthinkable (laughs) like 
What? But wait, there's more. <laughs> like, I what? think this. I think this is a, a Mandela effect thing because uh, the QAnon shaman was in, in fact bald. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I'm just saying he's kind of the poster boy for like the sort of like Q hippie, and he did not have dreads. Well, and it's <laughs> just also a point fa- of order there, right? But it is also fascinating because. Have you not spent any time all around dreadlocked hippies? Like, of course some of them are going to be spreading quote-unquote QAnon lies, which I don't even know how you define that. Like, what is a QAnon lie? Like, some of the things QAnon talks about are incoherent. Some of them are lies, but then some of them are true in the sense that, like, there are conspiracies go on that go on at the state of, at the sort of level of high government. So, like... Yeah, I don't. I don't even, know. I mean, I don't even know in my even in my Mountain Justice days, there were dreadlocked hippies talking crazy nonsense. I couldn't even. I mean, about God only knows. Where what at Tanya? You cut out for a second. Even at what? Mountain Justice, that Mountain Ju- in, 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 yeah. it like Mountain Justice uh, gatherings and shit, and that was what fifteen years ago. Right. I wouldn't say that they even have a coherent... Like, most hippies who wear who have, like, dreadlocks and stuff, like, I would say that they just kind of have maybe, like, a vaguely anti-authority sort of, like, ideology or Street, worldview. Yeah. But 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 yeah. most of them are probably... I don't want to say most. I hate to generalize. But, like, a, you know, a not I, insignificant portion of them are, like, trust fund kids, too. So, like... Yeah, it's like, I think the only through... I think the only like vast commonality is just like bad hygiene and drug use (laughs) there's not much people with white dreads there's not i mean they're they're not that you know there's a diversity of opinion amongst the hippie crowd exactly that's what i'm saying like you can't look at one of these fools and know their ideology know their value system you only know that they do drugs and they stink these are not (laughs) this these aren't universal truths about anything else it does, again, it kind of offers an interesting insight into the way this author sees the world. Like, to him, dreadlocked hippies was like a, and it would make sense if you were sort of acculturated in the sort of like world of the left in the 80s and 90s. To him, that was the marker of like the quote unquote alternative left. You know what I'm saying? Because there was no yeah. organized left in the United States. The third way in Clintonism was ascendant, the Soviet Union had been defeated, et cetera. And so, like, I, I, I can see why he would think that, like, the subculture of, like, hippies and stuff was, like, the fertile ground for, like, leftist ideas. Even though we now see that as complete bullshit. Silly, but, yeah. Yeah, silly. Um, yeah, and, you know, I mean, the other thing to that, too, it's like, you know, we were, I was uh, texting you some of those pictures of, like, uh, The Great Speckled Bird, which was that, like, counterculture magazine out of Atlanta from the 60s and 70s. I think even into the 80s. And it's like there was at a certain point sort of a melding of like countercultural ideas with like pro, like kind of pro-labor, new left kind of stuff. And I could see how if you're somebody like of this guy's generation, how you kind of think like those are part and parcel. But I really don't think that there's much overlap with the labor movement and like the sort of like people that are like countercultural revivalists or anything like that. I could be wrong. I don't know, but that's just my sense of it. Well, no, I agree. I mean, 
it's weird. It gets kind of like buried in the discourse, but there were several countercultures, one of which was like this back to the land communalist movement. And again, we talked about this in the episode about Bleeding Edge with Jimmy and Dimitri. But um, it's like it was this it just back to the sort of land communalist movement that was sort of motivated by individualism and that all of those people eventually went to go work for early in- internet entrepreneurs, you know? I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. there was nothing inherently anti-establishment about it. Um, Let me throw you out a couple of hippie companies that came out of that. Apple, Nike, Ben & Jerry's, who's kind of under fire right now for having like distribution in the West Bank. You know what I mean? Right. What it's do like you mean era, for distribution? Like, sort of became titans of industry in a lot of ways. What's Ben and Jerry's doing in, on the West Bank? Huh? You, What's Ben and Jerry's say, doing? In... Shit! Can y'all not? Can y'all not hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. I can hear you now. You're... What's Ben and Jerry's doing in the West Bank? Come on, Gaza. I think they stopped I've... selling in the West Bank, and it pissed Israelis off. Oh. Maybe, yeah. Something. In in any case, uh, yeah. It's like uh, when I think of like all the, the people who become like tech utopian people. Think of like Steve Jobs to some degree, Phil Knight of Nike and other things. You know. So that's like that to me. That kind of that that's kind of the rub with like that sort of strain of hippieism, you know what I mean? It's like they went on to just, again, again, be these sort of titans of industry that, you know, immiserate people in places like China and, yeah, you know, different I mean, places. It is one of the most successful lies of our time that there was something inherently or intrinsically political about the counterculture. Um, and it's also interesting that a lot of these guys, like, we talked about Stuart Brand in that episode too. Like they thought that the internet was like LSD in the sense that they thought that it revealed the sort of hidden patterns behind the universe. Um, I, I, mean, I don't know. Fast forward like four years. That's some of that witchcraft you're talking about, Tom. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, there is an element of that for sure. Um, let's see. Um, anyways, a few years ago, dreadlocked hippies spreading QAnon lies and muttering about a conspiracy against Donald Trump would have seemed unthinkable. Today, the old boundaries have broken down, and the most unlikely people have become susceptible to right-wing extremism. The anti-vaccine movement is a highly effective channel for the penetration of far-right ideas into left-wing countercultures. For several years, anti-vax has straddled the green, left, and the far-right. Trump flirted with it at one point inviting the anti-vaxxer Robert F. Kennedy Jr. to chair a commission on vaccination safety and scientific integrity. Again, I don't know. That's weird history because Trump also started the vaccine thing with Operation Warp Speed. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah, right. I, don't, I don't know. Um, anti-vax beliefs overlap strongly with a susceptibility to conspiracy theories. This tendency has been reinforced by Facebook algorithms directing vaccine-hesitant people towards far-right conspiracy groups. Ancient links between wellness movements and anti-Semitic paranoia have in some cases been reestablished. The notion of the quote-unquote sovereign body, untainted by chemical contamination, has begun to fuse with the fear that a shadowy cabal is trying to deprive us of autonomy. 
There's a temptation to overthink this, and we should never discount the role of sheer bloody idiocy. Um, I was I was reading something about uh, Carlos the Jackal. You know, like later on, he well he's still alive, but he married that French lawyer. I forgot what her name was, and I was like reading about them. I was like, well, I don't really know much about Carlos the Jackal other than that miniseries. I think me and you watched it one time, Terrence, when we were living there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there was an uh, uh, an article from his wife, who again was a French lawyer. I think they met when she was like taking his case or something like that. <laughs> and she went on like a rant about uh, if the Jews were taking the vaccine <laughs> or whatever. It was Whoa. just fucking batshit crazy. Um. Well, listen to this. This is this is <laughs> where he goes with this is pretty funny. But you got to hang with it for a second. Some anti-vaxxers are now calling themselves, quote-unquote, purebloods, a term that should send a chill through anyone even vaguely acquainted with 20th century history. In their defense, however, if they can't even get Harry Potter right, purebloods is what the bad guys call themselves, we can't expect them to detect an echo of the Nuremberg Laws. I believe this... I believe the synthesis of left alternative and right-wing cultures has been accelerated by despondency, confusion, and betrayal. After leftish political parties fell into line with corporate power, the right seized the language they had abandoned. Steve Bannon and Dominic Cummings brilliantly repurposed the left-wing themes of resisting elite power and regaining control of our lives. Now there has been an almost perfect language swap. Parties that once belonged on the left talk about security and stability, while those on the right talk of liberation and revolt. I, I won't argue okay, with them. I just want to say something. There, I, I just want to say something. I feel like that is a little stupid. Like, uh, Ronald Reagan said, what, the scariest words are, I'm the government and I'm here to help and you. I'm here like, to help like, you. Like, <laughs> right-wingers have been saying that shit forever. That didn't start with Trump and fucking Steve Bannon. That's yeah. true. That is true. But I do think there is something to the idea, and you mentioned it in that Frederick Jameson quote that you sent me the other day, Tom, that... The rise in QAnon and these sort of like militant right wing groups is kind of a corollary or or it is a result of the sort of disorganization of the working class and the failure of the left. I mean, yeah, totally. The exact quote you sent me says historical events, however, are not punctual, but extend in a before and after of time, which only gradually reveal themselves. It has, to be sure, been pointed out the Americans created bin Laden during the Cold War. Um, and in particular during the Soviet war in Afghanistan, and that this is therefore a textbook example of dialectical reversal. But the seeds of the event are buried deeper than that. They are to be found in the wholesale massacres of the left, systematically encouraged and directed by the Americans in an even earlier period. The physical extermination of the Iraqi and Indonesian communist parties, although now historically repressed and forgotten, were crimes as abominable as any contemporary genocide. It is, however, only now that the results are working their way out into actuality. For the resultant absence of any left alternative means that popular revolt and resistance in the third world have nowhere to go but into religious and fundamentalist forms. I think he wrote that like maybe 15 years ago, but it is just as true about America. Right after 9-11, right? Right. It is just as true about America now. That like, I, I mean like, you know, there's a reason why they're, why they're storming the fucking Congress building and we're sitting on the sidelines. <laughs> I mean like, right. I don't know, it's pretty fucking scary um more than anything it's just depressing i want to be fucking storming yeah. the congress 
parody a parody but you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're living our dreams awake it, you know, and it's funny because there's a lot of people on the left that, uh, again, like we've talked about before on this, that are, that just absolutely are terrified of that notion of, like, taking the Capitol building or whatever. Yeah, and I'm not, like, advocating for, like, adventurism or for people to, like, unilater- unilaterally just act. Do dumb stuff, yeah. Right, but I'm just saying that it does Let's seem... Let's be clear, that's what, that's what this bunch did, too. You know? <laughs> totally, totally. But it does seem like they... um. <clears throat> they not only have like a historical sort of impetus behind them now or sort of like momentum but i don't know i don't know it's just interesting La- but largely there because of uh sort of um yeah you know i think for all the the blustering that you know liberals do and and people that are are you know concerned about the QAnon scourge and the you know the sort of a you know, so-called epistemological crisis and, like, the sort of, like, uh, threats to our democracy and all this stuff. Well, like, you should have thought about that when you've been telling lies about this country and its founding for 300 goddamn years almost. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, you could yeah. have rooted that out if well, uh, if you would have, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> like, told the truth about slavery, for example, you know, well, or... Do- or- or, or, or I think that you can trace a lot. The lineage of some of this QAnon stuff goes back to JFK and World War II. Like the fact that they've cl- like they've latched on to JFK Jr. as like the savior who's going to basically rise from the dead. I mean, yeah, that's fascinating. Or, or Trump sort of winking to that with like inviting Bobby Kennedy or whatever. Right, right, right. I mean, to me, it shows that like. They don't have a, a particular attachment to the Republican Party per se, but that they have a right. larger critique of power, that there is like a deeper state working behind the scenes, taking out people like John F. Kennedy. Or, I mean, if you really dig into like the theories behind John F. Kennedy, like, you know, one of the big ones, like, you know, sort of pushed by like Mae Brussel and other people is that like, this has its basis in like the CIA using the Nazi intelligence apparatus after World War II whole cloth, literally the Galen organization, like taking the head of Nazi intelligence, incorporating him into the CIA apparatus, and then just using that to like fuel the next 60 years of like anti-communist um, meddling and government toppling around the world. Like, I mean, the QAnon... And that's, what, not, that's not even anything controversial. I mean, no, that, Curtis that's, deals with that in, in that last documentary. No, no, no. That, yeah, that's not even... That's just... Yeah, that's not even... Fact. Like a, <laughs> fa- yeah, exactly. That just literally happened. And I think the QAnon... I don't know if they would be able to articulate it that, like, succinctly or, or clearly, but I think that what they get at kind of does hint at that history. And, like, when you say, like, the lies we tell about ourselves, like, that is a fundamental lie we tell about ourselves. Like... Oh, the Nazis yeah. used our policies in the West against the Native Americans, and then we incorporated them back into our government? Like, that's seems kind of fundamental, and we don't talk about it. Gee, I wonder yeah. why <laughs> this is happening now. I don't know. Yeah, we, we became the Nazis. That's something that nobody wants to talk about, yeah. Well, we were the Nazis, 
had a brief moment of like, maybe we're not. And then we're like, nah, nah, we are. Yeah, maybe we're not the baddies. Yeah. <laughs> Again, you'd be hard-pressed to convince me there's anything bad that has ever went on in <laughs> on this planet, at least now, that we don't exactly. have a hand in. Yeah. Um. So, let's see. Uh, St- uh, we, Steve we are the axis of evil. We are, definitely. Um, it's us. Okay. Um, so how do we navigate this? How do we remain true to our countercultural roots while resisting the counterculture of the right? There's a sound hippie principle that we should strive to apply. Balance. Oh, boy. I don't mean the compromised submissive doctrine that calls itself centrism, which leads inexorably towards extreme outcomes, uh, such as the Iraq War, endless economic growth, and ecological disaster. Right, yeah, like it's centrism that leads to endless economic growth, for sure. Um, yeah uh, i mean the balance between competing values in which true radicalism is to be found reason and warmth empiricism and empathy liberty and consideration it is this balance that defends us from co-option and extremism um now here's the money shot here we go while we might seek simplicity we need also to recognize that the human body Human society and the natural world are phenomenally complex and cannot be easily understood. Life is messy. Bodily and spiritual sovereignty are illusions. There is no pure essence. We are all mudbloods. What? (laughs) Um, Enlightenment of any kind is possible only through long and determined engagement with other people's findings and other people's ideas. Self-realization requires constant self-questioning. True freedom emerges from respect for other people. I mean, just like you also, know, keeping also, bromides. like how many, like just to sort of break that down a little bit, like a, just sort of a little more granularly. How many times have you heard of like the justification of like like the, the CIA or like any sort of like intelligence apparatus thing, law enforcement agency, FBI, whatever? As well, the world is messier than you would like it to be. Right. <laughs> like I've heard, I've heard that is yeah. like like a defense of like Obama's activities with like drones and stuff. Well, the world's messier than like all these idealists want it to be. Right. It's like, it, it, to the degree that 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 is like sort of a truism. Like we've had no small hand in making it so. You know. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Life is messy. <laughs> I, I hear every time somebody like we somebody floats the idea of like disbanding the CIA, like I, all of them was like, "Well, the world's messier than you would like to think it is," you know. Like yeah, like no, I think the world would probably the world would be a demonstrably better place if the CIA and the other fifteen or sixteen intelligence agencies of the United States government went away. It would be a literally better place, one million percent. <laughs> and and imagine people's quality of life if that money were delegated correctly right. the difference in quality of life like no homelessness free health care across the world yeah um well Georges Monbiot I don't know how to fucking say his last name but <laughs> get with the times bro gonna have to give this one about two and a half Pinocchios <laughs> <laughs> that's just me shooting from the hip though um well all right i don't have anything else um we're at well over an hour thanks for listening today sorry we lost the internet connection halfway through but we're working on it um 
You guys have anything before we sign off? Um, I have my, my new season of my pod is out. My little pleasure pod came out on the full moon. Happy fall. Um, Happy fall. And my Happy Marin ter- Heritage. Oh my God. Is it wild downtown? It sucks ass. It sucks <laughs> really bad. <laughs> yeah. Godspeed. Terrence, sorry about that. I'm not leaving. I'm not. I'm not coming downtown this weekend. Mm, I don't recommend it. I mean, I I would love to follow what? my nose to a funnel cake, but what'd you say? You cut out a second. What'd you say? That <laughs> I would love to follow my nose to a funnel cake, but I don't think the risk uh, yes. is worth it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I have my new seasons out, and I've opened my tarot bookings back up for the fall and winter, so you can get all that at hainty.com. Hell yeah. Well, you cut out again, but I'm assuming you're plugging your Patreon, so uh. <laughs> it'll it'll be on your yeah, on it'll your be focus. on my end, I reckon. All right, um, all right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, go check out our Patreon as well. Uh, go go pay for our Patreon so we can buy a satellite so we can actually communicate with each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Send up smoke signals and <laughs> interpret that <laughs> into podcast. <laughs> all right. Uh, Thanks for listening this week. Um, Go check out our Patreon. We will see you there on Sunday. Bye-bye.